This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. Here at OK Sis, we believe women are multifaceted. Which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics, such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be informative. And silly. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello and welcome back to OK Sis Podcast. My name is Mads and I am the only one on the mic today. This is super cool that I'm speaking to you guys directly. So the glaring elephant in the room, Scout is on her maternity leave. And if you guys have been, you know, following along on the Insta, you maybe have seen Baby Lily, gorgeous little precious angel, little baby Lily. So I was in San Diego this past weekend and I got to meet her and become an aunt, become an auntie Mads. As we've been saying on the podcast for a long time, I am officially an elf. And if you don't know what that is, it's, uh, you know, and I'd like to fuck. And it's just been such a fulfilling experience. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to speak about Scout's experience because it's been, you know, just insane. I think she's been the most happy and fulfilled and filled with love to the brim. And just seeing her take on this role of, of, of a mother, it is so surreal to see your sister walk into that role. Um, and so being able to witness that and see how patient she is with her and just how adoring and attentive they are to this precious angel. And I'm just, I have no doubt that they're going to be just the best set of parents to baby Lily. And when I held her for the first time, I was like, what? Like, this is an alien. Like, how did this come out of Scout's tiny stomach? I mean, the stomach was huge by the end, but like, how did this human come out of her body? It, it's mind blowing. And we've seen pregnant people and babies and this and like in society and in media. But when it happens to someone related to you or super, super close to you, it's such a different experience. And I feel so honored to be her aunt. And I'm so excited for her to like grow up obviously and like have a little more of a personality. Like right now all she does is really like cry and, and poop and stuff, which is great. You know, healthy, healthy babes. Scout's boobs are massive. She just, the baby is breastfeeding and it's quite the sight. It was all I'll say. It's quite the sight. And she's a healthy nipple sucking baby. Is what I have to say. <laughs> oh my God. This is unhinged. Okay. So this is what you can expect for the next couple weeks on OK Sis. I might do like a full solo, solo episode, which would be wild and crazy and kind of give you guys updates on my life. I mean, the romance novels I've been reading. I'm more of the pop culture get girly so I could like, you know, talk about 
uh, my thoughts on certain things happening in the world. I mean, let me know what you guys want to see from just a, a Mads Takes OK Sis extravaganza for the next couple couple weeks, I think month, a month and a half. But today, though, we have just the most nurturing conversation ever. And I feel like in the past from OK Sis, we've talked about habits and how much routines and rituals and habits are just the foundation of stepping into the life that you want to lead, right? And stepping into that highest self-worth and the person that you really, truly want to be. And it all starts with habits. It all starts with like those like micro, micro steps and, and showing up for yourself every single day. I mean, we all know the drill, right? But I had the fabulous Shelby Sacco, who if you're on TikTok, which most of you probably are, she has grown an insane following talking all about habits. Her whole shtick is sad to savage and she has a course and she has a company and she's like grown this to like a whole mental health business. And, you know, I've read Atomic Habits. I'm sure many of you all have read it here too. And we talk about this a little in the episode in the beginning, but there's something about Shelby and the content she puts out that feels super digestible. It feels like you're watching like entertainment video, but like it's super educational and I feel like she mirrors both of them and it's just, it, it really is inspiring. I like did a deep binge of her the other night. I was like, oh, I have to speak to this woman. So we had just the greatest conversation. You're going to walk away with incredible tangible steps of different routines or replacing routines in order to shed bad habits and kind of instigate new ones and ones that you want want to plan into your life. So for instance, things that I've been doing lately is journaling before bed. That's a new, newer habit that I've implemented in my life. I've also stopped watching TV before bed and I've replaced that with reading a book and some things I'm still working on that haven't been completely solidified was more mindful eating, also replacing negative thought patterns, not procrastinating or not feeling shame around procrastinating. So there's still so much that all of us need to work on, but you're going to want to, after this episode, like take out your little journal and we're going to like scribble our little habit loops. And I just know you're going to feel so refreshed and inspired after you listen to this. So, oh my God, that was my first solo ever little intro. I hope, I hope I did okay. I love you sisters so much and I'm so excited to hold down the fort until Scoutala gets back. But until then, get used to my voice because you're going to be hearing it a lot. And I love you. And that's it. Let's get into the episode. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh my gosh. My Zoom didn't pop up like it opened. And I was like, maybe it's on a different tab. I am so delighted to be chatting with you. I don't know if you feel this way, but whenever I meet someone that like I've been following for a long time, it's such a surreal experience because like I feel like I know you. I love that. That's my favorite thing. I feel like I had that with, I followed Jenna Palak for like two yes. and a half years. And then she randomly texted me or messaged me one day and I'm like, I literally freaked out. My boyfriend said, why are you screaming? It's 5 a.m. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> And he was like, geez, I thought someone died. And I'm like, oh my God. You don't understand. Jenna has slid into the DMs. He's like, I don't even know who that is. I'm like, oh, okay, you're a boy. <laughs> you're a boy. Just be quiet. Um, okay, Miss Shelby, I'm just so thrilled to chat with you. I think something about your content, and I was, uh, we were DMing and I was like, I just went on like a fresh binge 
of the Shelby Sacco content. And there is something so digestible and so fresh and innovative about the way that you're dispelling this message. And we'll talk a bit about it, Sad Savage, your whole journey and habits specifically, because I've been super, super interested in that whole theory and, and just how habits completely transform our lives and our happiness and our, our well-being. But something about you and the way that you're communicating this message feels so different. And maybe it's just because it's your unique perspective. It's the way that you're bringing it to people's attention. But how have you felt being like the vessel for this message? This is like my favorite. I don't even know how to explain it. The last year, I have truly felt, I've never felt more grateful, but I've always yeah. known, I guess not always, but the last couple of years, I've known that habits and teaching it to other people was my purpose and passion. And now watching it all just like happen and play out so beautifully and seeing the impact on a larger scale, it is so mind blowing. And it's interesting because I like that you said that it's so digestible and it's crazy because I've been teaching it way before I got on TikTok. Like my TikTok <laughs> scroll way back. It's like, it's actually, it's, I thought it was entertaining, but it's like random little skits that I was doing. But because when I got on TikTok and I started kind of popping off, I took it a little bit further because I already knew how to teach and speak. But then I started studying teaching and the different ways that people learn. And that really, really helped be able to actually communicate to others. Like all, no matter what way you learn or understand information, I'm able to cover it all within one video. So five different yeah. people learn a different way and they see it, but there's different aspects to it that they're actually comprehend and understand. You're so brilliant at that. And it reminds me of something that Jay Shetty said on a recent podcast of his, where he said that wealthy people choose education and then non-wealthy people choose entertainment. And it's true because education is the harder thing, you know, to digest and to want to be excited about, about learning. And then people just choose entertainment because it's, you know, it's the easiest. It's the clickbait. It's that. And Jay Shetty has always said that he wants to marry the two, right? His content is about educating, but then always making sure that you're hitting that entertainment note. And I feel like you're doing that exactly where there is this like bingeableness and this like excitement that we feel through your content, but then you're like, oh shit, I just learned like an amazing life lesson in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm beaming. You're so kind. <laughs> That's what we like to do here. We're at okay sets, you know, just hype people up. Let's go back. Why habits? Look, I've read Atomic Habits. I feel like everyone, you know, in the world has. Again, there is something different about the way you're communicating it. And I think it goes back to your story and how we see it like actually transform your life. So talk to us a little bit about that transformation, how habits helped. So two years ago, I was at the worst place I've ever been in my life. I was always really happy. I came from like a middle-class family with like a lot of love. I have five siblings. I had a really, really great life and I'd never struggled with depression, never struggled with anxiety. Like I had never had like these outside, these mental health factors. And then after college, I struggled all through college with things looking back now where I'm like, oh my God, that was really bad, but it just never phased me. Where after college, I got in this like year long sadness. And I call it sad because I never got help. I never went to therapy. I never got diagnosed depressed, though I truly believe I would have. But the sad and sad to savage is just that. Just because I didn't have that diagnosis, I say sad. And I think a lot of people resonate with that, like not feeling like their feelings are valid or like they, they could seek help. 
And so when I was in that rock bottom stage, I had been gaining weight by like the thoughts that the things that I would say to myself were horrible. My thoughts started getting really dark. And for someone that never had that, I was just like, what is going on? Something's like horribly wrong. I was in a really horrible relationship. And because I'm the second oldest of six, I had this moment where I was just thinking like, my thoughts are horrible. Like the things I say to myself that like, I didn't care anymore what happened to me, like whether I was here or not. And it was like, kind of like a, like I snapped back to reality and was like, my sisters have struggled their whole lives with anxiety and depression. And it like clicked. And I was like, holy shit, they have these thoughts. Like they could have these same thoughts. And I had never been in there that I'd never thought like that before. Cause I never had even close to that perspective. So when I had that, I was like, okay, I've always been like my role. My family has always been almost like the leader, the protector, like I'm the talker. And I was like, I'm smart. I can figure this out. Like, I was like, I can figure out how to help myself. I can figure out how to help them now that I have this level of insight. Like I can, I actually get it. Whereas before I'd be like, oh, just go to the party. Like you won't be anxious. Like just shit advice. And I'm like, okay. I mean, my sister, my sister has bipolar disorder and depression growing up. And I literally, I didn't know it was a disease for the longest time. I would just tell her like, get up, like, just do it. Yeah, like, like, get over, what, like, get over it. And it's so funny. And it exactly same thing happened to me where, I mean, I'm the younger one, but I was always the positive one and the happy one because she was, you know, the depressed one. And so that all caught up to me right after college, same exact thing where it was like, oh shit, I don't know how to process negative emotions. I don't know how to process challenging times because I'm always the like, oh, let's get back to positivity. So I totally, I totally resonate with that. But yeah, keep going. So I basically decided I was going to save myself. I was going to save them and figure it out because now I realized all my advice before was just shit and they were struggling just as bad as I was. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, I forget why, but I just decided to read a book. I'm like, People that are smart read books. I haven't read a book in forever. I might as well just read one. And by the grace of God, I picked The Power of Habits, which is my Bible. I've read it so many times. I could literally recite it. I love it so much. I wish the author, I wish he was my uncle. I wish I was related to him in some way. I love him so much. I recommend it to anyone that wants to learn about habits, but I will give a warning that it's 50% brilliant, brilliant, 50% so fucking boring, where you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> It's hard to get through at parts, but then you're like, oh my God, I know why I had to get through this part. But I had that book and it said something like, it said basically like the science is there. Like it was like, if you do these things, you'll form these habits. And I was like, I want to become a new person. Like I want to help my mental health. I want to, my biggest thing was losing weight because I I couldn't fit into my clothes. It was really affecting my mental health. And it was like, oh, like if I form a habit, I, that will fix all my problems. So I decided to start waking up a little bit earlier so that I could go on a walk. So I was like, okay, I was waking up five minutes before work every single day because I worked from home and I would just like sleep through my morning meetings. I was making zero dollars. Just, I couldn't move out of my parents' house. I was living in the basement. I was a basement child though. I kind of like basement, but it was, I was just in this, this funk. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this one thing and just try because the science says I'll be successful at it. Mm -hmm. And then when I say I, I had a really easy time with some habits, a really hard time with some, but I realized really quick. I was like, these people are really smart. I'm like, they're on at this. And I basically decided like in the moment, like this is, this is it. And I just dedicated everything. And so now when it comes to actually teaching and explaining, there really is that special aspect of, I'm not some person that did the research or read the books. I mean, I did, I do a lot of research, but I lived it. And the way that I teach it is like through so years of trial and error that I'm like, 
here are all the things that I went through. Here are these situations. Here's exactly like step-by-step step what you need to do for your life, but yeah. here's how I figured it out. And here's how you can too. And yeah. I think that's kind of what I see with a lot of like messages or people that take my class and talk to it's that they know what they want to do and no one ever really explains step-by-step. Step. And then what happens when it doesn't work out? And one of my favorite, favorite things that I realized, and I talked to my little sister about this all the time. I have a really good story about her, but it's when you try something like you want to start working out or you want to start waking up earlier and you fail. We had this mindset that like, oh, it's, it's not for me. I suck at it. Like it's not going to work when really, when we fail, it's just getting us one step closer to what is going to work. Like that method, that way it didn't work for you. That's completely fine. And you try something new and try something new until you find six months later, you found the, the like clicker, the key. And that's how you yeah. start your transformation. And yeah. it's just, Opting new mindsets and explaining that through teaching. That's my favorite thing about my class is people will come back after a certain week that we talk about something and be like, this didn't work and we'll talk through it. And then they'll be like, oh my gosh, and try something new. And the next week they're like, I woke up every single day. They just have to get to that point through trial. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before. And we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast. Because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. 
I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. So, something that I think people definitely struggle with, and something I've noticed about myself, is having trust within those moments, right? When things are not working out, where you want to just give up on it. How have you built like a disciplined muscle in yourself and a trust muscle to keep coming back? And I, before you've even seen any reward. So that's, I think the like really hard hill to get over is that point where you're building the habit. You haven't seen any reward. You don't have like past evidence that this will work. You don't have past evidence that a habit will work. How do you keep going on? Like, what is that discipline? That's a really good question. There's a few ways that I look at this because, and I like that you said discipline opposed to motivation, because I don't think motivation is real at all. I don't think that it's a real (laughs) thing. And I think it confuses people when they're like, oh, I'm not motivated to get up and go to the gym. It's not motivation at all. It's actually your habits when you look at it. If you look at the definitions and I don't know them off the top of my head, but they're the exact same, like motivation and habits are the exact same. So when it comes to being disciplined and starting when you don't have that, that physical reward quite yet, or that actual mental reward yet, or the, the, maybe the reward of working out and losing weight. What I like to fall back on is trusting. I always say, I just trust the science. Like I'm like, I trust science so much, but then also in your brain, when you start either building a habit or changing a habit, what's so cool is you already, if you're building a habit, the reward can be something physical, but things like going on a walk or um, waking up early, all these things are going to give you like in dopamine, serotonin. There's different things that you'll actually get as a chemical reaction that then will start teaching your brain that when you have your cue, it wants that reward, that reaction. Mm-hmm. So it actually helps you form it. But actually on the topic of discipline, something cool that I learned when I'm forming a new habit because I form new habits all the time. I think it's funny. Like when I got my caps, I had like three new habits. I'm like, what the heck? But something that I learned <laughs> that blew my mind was like, have you ever thought about like willpower and the concept of having willpower? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every single day, like picture that I have two cups of water. Every single day you wake up with a full cup of water. And by the end of the day, it's empty. Every day you reset. So when I'm thinking about building new habits, I want to think, okay, when do I have the most willpower? And it's at the beginning of the day because things could take from that, take from that glass. Like, okay, you have a work meeting or you have an assignment due, or you have to pick someone up, drive someone somewhere. Your friend texts you, they're going through a breakup. There's so many things that deplete that. So by the end of the day, that's usually when our, like our bad habits or, or things like texting your ex late at night, like things like that, when your willpower is low happens. So I try to mm-hmm. always do little things to set myself up for success, to start when I have that full cup of willpower. 
Mm -hmm. It's also an energy moving through with your energy. My boyfriend and I talk about this a lot. I mean, we're huge morning people. I, before the pandemic, I was part of the 4am club, which was like something so I don't even know what I had. I had been waking up at 4am, like since high school. And it's like a funny story because basically a guy that I really liked who turned out to be gay and he's great. And now I know why he didn't like me, but I love him because of this habit. He was like, oh, we should go to Starbucks at 4am and like, and study and like do homework before class. And I was like, sure, like whatever. And I literally formed that habit and I, it was so un, and now now since the pandemic, I have like more time and I don't have to like go to the gym exactly at set at six. But that was like an insane moment of that habit just happened because of this like external thing. Is that so that is, silly? I love that. That's I'm so jealous. I'm like, that is insane. That's exactly it. And it's crazy because in that situation, you weren't trying to form an early waking up early habit, but that's yeah. exactly how it works. Like you have this reward of getting to spend time with this person you have a crush on. So that yeah. habit, it's so easy. Like the, the so alarm easy. clock going off, you already taste that reward that you're going to get. So the routine exactly. of getting up. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Okay. So I want to talk to you about what were some habits that were really easy and then examples of ones that were really hard because, and I'm assuming this and I'll speak for myself, but when people hear about habits and changing, it feels so hard. It feels like something yeah. so far in the, in the future, because I've had habits, for instance, meditating, I've been meditating and journaling every morning for years. And honestly, I didn't really see the benefits until like, or maybe I just didn't internalize them, but I didn't really start feeling it until this year. So that was a habit that I really had to stick to that. I probably wasn't getting like rewards, at least immediate gratification from, and maybe that's a whole other thing is like, this is not about immediate gratification. Like you need to be, you know, in it for the long haul, but I want to hear some examples of habits that like, just like, we're like, Oh, that was easy. That was a week of <laughs> me just doing this. So with every single person, when it comes to habits, they'll be completely different because everyone has a different perspective, upbringing, environment, situation. So yeah. everyone and across the board with people that I, I teach in, in online or in my class, everyone has a different habit that's super hard and super easy. So for me, when I started with waking up earlier and with going on a walk every single day, going on a walk every day was the easiest thing ever when I got in the habit of just doing that, not forcing myself to try to run, which I hated running, trying to like force myself to do things that I didn't like. That was easy for me, but I also did sports for my whole life. So looking back, I'm like, that makes sense how I could get back into something that I knew I could do that I was confident in just going on a walk every morning. Now, when it comes to my nighttime routine, and I mentioned I was a basement child. So my mom kicked my little butt downstairs so damn quick. I'm one of six. So me and my sister were downstairs. I think I was nine when I started living in the basement. And so what that meant was my mom was always, or my parents were upstairs with the little kids and I didn't have a bedtime. Like, I mean, I had one, but me and my sister would stay up, watch TV. And I, from sixth grade until probably when I was 23, 24, changing this habit, would go to bed at 2 a.m. every single night. Like that was my habit. I never went to bed earlier. It didn't matter if I had to wake up early for a flight, for a test, for a pageant. I was going to bed at 2 a.m. So for me changing that time that I went to bed, that for lack of better words, kicked my ass like kicked my ass like and that's where the uh the whole 
you fail and you realize you didn't actually fail, that's just not going to work for you comes in. That took me, I would say, probably like three to four months of consistently trying to get into the habit of a nighttime routine that then I could slowly work down over the course of a year to get to where I wanted to be. And now that mm. seems really overwhelming and almost like, oh, well, that's not worth it. It's like so much effort. But I got to explain a little better. Like yeah. I, I went from trying to go to bed at 2 a.m. to going to bed at 10 p.m which is the same if you're trying to wake up early and go from waking up at 10 a.m. every morning and 5 a.m. Like your body cannot do that. Your entire lifestyle has to shift. But what I realized over the first few months of trying to do that and not seeing results was, oh, hold on. Like when I started waking up earlier, that's something I chipped away at slowly. So I went from like 8.55 and now I'm at 5.20, but it didn't do that jump. I just went slow. So I was like, I should do that with my nighttime routine. So instead of trying to go to bed at 10 10 asleep I love like anything like that I said okay it's two I'm going to try to be in bed phone down whatever at 145 and all of a sudden it was so easy to do that little little thing each night and slowly go down and my body could slowly get spear and I could slowly wake up earlier like it was like this thing that just clicked but it was months of me like being like oh I could not nap I could not drink coffee I could not be on my phone before bed I'm still not going to bed till two so is that trial and error, but that was by far my hardest habit. And if you think about it, it's because of my environment, my upbringing, being a basement child. I mean, that played me so dirty. I didn't talk to my siblings. <laughs> I'm like, y'all need a nighttime routine. I finally got my sister to do it. Who was my OG basement sister. And I taught her, she was in one of my classes and I taught her a morning and nighttime routine and it has already changed her life. I'm like, it's crazy. And on that note, I think people really like morning routines and they neglect the nighttime routine, which is where you actually set everything in motion, everything up for success for the next day. I 100% agree with you. Morning routines and habits have been autopilot for me for since high school. Like I feel very fortunate that I'm a morning person. I've also developed like an autopilot workout fitness. Like I'm obsessed and it's not only because of, it's not really even for physical, it's for mental. Like there's yeah. the dopamine and the serotonin. Like I, Your the mental clarity. Why are on that? Exactly. Like my, the mental clarity that I feel from moving my body first thing in the morning, like it's just, it's autopilot. It happens just immediately. I don't even think about it. And, and that's, that's habit. like that autopilot muscle memory, you do not. And what's cool is you don't use willpower to do that. You're, you do yeah. not take any of your willpower out of your cup because that's you. So automatic yeah. your behavior. You don't have to put any exactly. effort into those actions. And that's and what's cool about habits too. Because yeah, when you it's literally that, effortless. Exactly. And so, I mean, to think about the nighttime routine. So that's, you know, I'm talking about how like I'm waking up at 4 a.m. I'm working out. Of course, there are many things that we're, we're looking to improve over here. Nighttime was always really tricky for me. Something that I struggled with was I had to watch TV before bed or like had to watch TV to go to bed. And obviously tons of studies on how, you know, the light and it's not great and all these things. And also what I realized was I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts, which is very, very tricky. And I want to get into a little bit more about some habits we can around, around negative thought looping, but I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts. And so up until the moment, moment I fell asleep, I wanted to be distracted and I completely cut it. You know, I let myself like once a week, whatever, do it. But then what I did was just read before bed and look, it might still be a distraction, but I automatically got sleepy. I was scared about the moment I put the book down and then I have to go to sleep, but it's, it's just like, I sleep right away. And I would have never known that. Like, I, I, I just never, I, I'm a huge reader. I love to read, but I just would have never 
read before bed to go to, to go to sleep. And that completely transformed my nighttime routine. And again, the, I think what you're talking about the willpower, you know, at night, that's also when I feel like I binge eat, right? Like, I feel like I'm like, oh, well, you know, it resets tomorrow. So like, I'll just eat a shit ton right before bed. No, like, you know, so there's just this mindfulness and this, yeah, cultivating those types of routines and habits are so like, it's literally a mind trick. Like you're, it's magic. It's insanity. It is when I say my entire life is like I'm living my dream life that I created through habits. It's almost like I could have, I can't even, I couldn't have made it better myself. I don't even know. Yeah. It's mind blowing. But I like what you said with the TV and how you realized it was your, the thoughts that you didn't want to be alone with. Because in so many situations, when we try to change things about ourselves, like disordered eating or these, these toxic relationships, things like that, it's not the issue, the big picture. It's not what we think it is. It's you zoom out and the actual issue is somewhere else. And that's the habit loop that you focus on and you change. And in the situation of before bed, not wanting to be alone with your thoughts and in that space that I had a really similar situation in my sad phase where I would just sob every night, like every single night I would cry myself to sleep. I was so sad. And that was when I had the worst thoughts because maybe I'd be on my phone looking at other people's lives and feel like mine was horrible compared, or I'd see other people's bodies and I was struggling with my body. And so I had all these negative thoughts. And what I realized with one of myself, I have a lot of self-love habit loops, but one was that was such a triggering habit loop for me. That was repetitive that I would just cry. That instead I started offering an alternative. So I'd be crying being like, I love myself. I love my body. I'm beautiful. I don't need to compare to other people. Like, and say all these things. And slowly you start replacing that routine of negative thoughts with the positive. And it's not immediate, but that habit loop alone, like you would, if, if you want to start trying to do that, then all of a sudden you might see like, wow, like I love talking to myself and like hugging myself before bed and being cute to myself. And I don't need anything else. Like that was the underlying thing. Yeah. It's yeah. really crazy how everything's kind of like, whoop. yeah. I mean, positive affirmations, a hundred percent, it's rewiring your brain to literally, and the, and rewiring the neural pathways to when you have a negative thought or have something like your, your brain just automatically goes the other direction. And that's something like we talk a lot about on this podcast and also something I've just been completely engrossed in is the constant monitoring and maintenance of my thoughts. And like, there are days where I'm just like, I'm a fucking, like, I just want to be free. And like, but no, like you have to, because you have been conditioned your whole life to think negatively about yourself. Like you have to put in the work and the practice to unlearn that and unravel it. And something that I keep coming back to, like, I also started a habit of journaling before bed because I was journaling in the morning, but then I wanted to increase my inner pride and wanted to also like examine and reflect on what I did in a day. Like, I feel like I just went to bed and I just, the day, the days and the weeks would just float by. I wouldn't even know what I did. And I would then think like, oh, I'm, I didn't accomplish anything. What am I doing? And there was no like purpose or intention as I was moving through. So every, every evening before I go to bed, I write down three things I'm proud of, or like what went well that day. And look, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> like every day I go and I'm just like, oh, like my journal, like I have to do it. But something in me, and this is just like, maybe it works for me, maybe it works for you, anyone that's listening. I say, I want to be the type of person that is proud of myself. I want to show up for myself. And 
I think this was a phenomenon in atomic habits, the identity based, you know, habits, right? It's like, you have to want to be that type of person, right? You have to want to be the person that wakes up and moves their body and takes care of their body and loves themselves. And you want to be the person who is proud of themselves and celebrates the little wins. But if you don't want that, it will not stick. You know what I mean? So what, how have you kind of like shifted your identity with these habits? I feel like I've completely shifted my identity. So I read this thing in a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it talked about, and it's, it's really similar with like when I realized my identity really mattered and I could control what I thought of myself and what others thought of me or the person that I showed up as in others' lives. And it said, basically, picture that you're at your own funeral and you have four people that are going to talk about you. And it's a family member, like a partner, a friend, and a colleague. And what would they say? Actually, what would they say? And then compare that to what you would want them to say. And I remember I like started crying when I was reading this part of the book. And I was like, oh my God, I'd want them to say like, I'm kind and I'm this, I'm that. And I started thinking about my sisters because I love my siblings so much. But I'm like, sometimes I'm a bitch to them. I'm like, Mm -hmm. would they say I was kind? Like, I'm like, would they say I'm kind? And in that moment, I realized I could decide who I was, but I had to work for those qualities. So I read another book that said, the more that you repeat over and over and over like these words, you start to identify with them. Kind of like when someone says, um, I think it's the RAS, I forget what it is. But when someone says like, oh, there's so many or red's the most popular car color. And all of a sudden you see like a hundred red cars every day. Like, oh, red car. Like the more that you say words to yourself, the more that you see them in yourself and you see like the opportunity to be those things. But for me, I basically realized that through affirmations, and I thought affirmations were bullshit. I just got to say, like, I was the same way. This is so stupid. Why would I do like, that was actually one of the later habits that I added in, I think like six months into my journey, I'd already had so many other habits and self-love I struggled with. And I was like, okay, it's saying to do this. I know that all these other things are working. I just need to. And for about two months, I didn't feel any different. I felt stupid. And I was like writing to my sisters, like, like I'm smart, I'm beautiful. Like, but about them, but I knew there were words. I literally write, I have a fat ass. Like I was just <laughs> writing stuff. I'm like, okay. And so like, finally <laughs> I wrote, if, I need to post a picture of it, but all my old pages, when I started at, writing affirmations, is, I have a fat ass. I have beautiful hair, like really funny ones, like just so <laughs> random. I love it. And after, like, I think I just kept telling myself, like, if I want to be this person, I need to tell myself I'm that person. Like, I need to start identifying with it. Like, if I want to be nice, I need to tell myself I'm nice over and over so that when I'm in a situation where it's I could do nothing or I could be nice, I'm going to be nice. And I'm going to start training myself to do that. That's where it is. Like, people think that you're just writing these affirmations over and over again. But no, what happens is it seeps into your subconscious so that when you're in the world and you're navigating through your day, a moment will come up and your again, the subconscious in your brain will just choose that identity because it's been that reinforced over and over and over. Or yeah. one thing that I realized and, and with self-love affirmations, I've always been really good at public speaking. I did speech competitions as a child. I love public speaking, which yeah. is actually really funny too. I'm like to my parents, where did you guys even find those? They said, I literally never shut up. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but <laughs> 
I started after when I was in the sad phase getting horrible anxiety. Like I couldn't talk on calls or in meetings. And I'm like, that's not me. Like, and I would tell myself all of a sudden my thoughts went so dark. Like you're horrible at talking. Like you're going to mess up. You're going to stutter. And I realized like the same thing with affirmations, you, you pull that into everything. So before any meeting, I would write down, like, I'm so good at talking. I'm so good at answering questions. I'm so good at presenting. I don't stutter. Like I would just write these things. And slowly, the more that I would do that, it's like, take out the negative and add in that positive. And it's like, you're completely different in that setting because you've told yourself that. Because if you tell yourself you're going to fail, you're going to look stupid, you're going to be like, you align with those things, your your actions, you align with that. But if you say like, I'm so good at this, I'm so good at that over and over, you really do align with those positive things. So yeah. I think when it comes to like the, I guess, getting myself to do it, it really is like, I want to align with, I, I wrote out what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be. And I knew I wasn't that person. And I was like, this is step one, like just like telling myself over and over right now, I actually have a word wall where I have. 15 words and frames on my wall in my office of all the words that I identify with. So every single day, whether I'm writing them, saying them to myself, um, reading them on different post-it notes, I'm reading them now in these frames, like my desk faces it. And it's yeah. like, they're so, I believe in it so much. It is so powerful. And it's cool because you can add it to any area of your life. Like if you're anxious about going out with friends or like a new situation, I had really bad social anxiety for a second. And I would say like, I'm so good at making new friends. I'm so good at making people feel comfortable. I'm so good at asking questions. Like I would just go over anything I wanted to be and tell myself over. So then when I'd be anxious or in that moment, I'd be like, oh, I'm good at asking questions. And I'd be like, oh, do you have any kids? Do you have this? Like, where do you look? Things like that. It just, it's almost like. Have you ever gone on a first date and like me and my friends used to do this? We'd write out a bunch of questions or a bunch of stories so that if we ever forgot, we knew our list of things we yeah. could talk about. It's almost like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's preparation. It's a not as not relatable, I guess, thing that I'm going through in my life is I'm raising money for, for my tech company that I built. And that oh has... <laughs> Okay. That is tested everything, <laughs> as you can imagine. And it's, it's, you know, obviously I've been dealing with a ton of rejection, which I want to kind of break down a little bit more about the uh, your cues and the responses for something like that. But what I've noticed is, and I did so much like emotional work before this journey to just make sure that my, my brain was and my emotional state and also like the way I was showing up to these meetings was in perfect alignment. And I was showing up like in control, confident, basically with the mentality of like, I don't need your money. Like you're either in or you're out over here. Okay. Yeah. Like that type of vibe. And at, before every meeting I sit there and I'm just like, okay, it's like a feeling almost like there is affirmations and there are words, but there's also this just like, I'm the one in control here. Like you might think so because you're the one with the money, but like, I'm actually the one who has like the most amazing idea and it's going to be mutual beneficial. There is that like before it's this constant, again, monitoring and maintenance of your brain of any situation you go through. And I think I used to just go through my days with just no mindfulness. And if you just take, it could be one minute, like right before the call or the meeting or the this or the situation or the party, like just one minute to just ground yourself and, and set an intention. It changes your thoughts. It truly, truly does. Also, that's amazing. I love a business girly. <laughs> we're, we're business girlies over here. Okay. So I want to talk about the actual loop and then I want to break down 
common habits that I think people who are listening will want to be like, okay, this is great. I, I'm, I'm sold in. I want to do the habits. I want to give people like tangible takeaways. And so talk to us about the actual habit. And then I'm going to give you certain habits that we're going to do like a little homework. We're going to do a little homework together. I love that. I feel like I'm always giving homework. Every video, every time I do homework. I'm excited. So in the habit loop, you have a cue, a routine, and a reward. And it follows the cycle over and over and over until you form a habit. Now, the cue is the thing that triggers. Like it's a place, a time, a thing. It could be a visual cue, an audible cue. Like anything can really be a cue. What comes next is the routine, which is the actual habitual behavior, whether it's something that you think, say, do, act out, it's it's the habit. And then the reward is the, the thing that keeps you coming back, essentially, whether it's the response in your brain, brain chemicals, an actual thing that you get, like love, attention, affection, or a physical item like money, gifts. So basically in a habit loop, and I think this is the craziest thing, is the cue and the reward are linked together. So that's what actually is strengthening it and and making this habit go, go, go. The routine is replaceable. But what happens is we create these bad habits or we create a habit and habits are really, you can't break a habit. You actually cannot break a habit. That pathway is in your brain. You can only create one or change it. So when we try to do something, like say we want to stop watching TV before bed, and you just start trying to turn off the TV. It's like, unless you have a new routine, like you said, like reading your book, you aren't going to change that habit loop because you can't break it. It's the same thing. And when you go through a breakup and you text that person every morning or every night, and then you feel like you're dying in those moments, it's because you're trying to break that habit opposed to replacing the routine, texting them with texting a friend. And in that situation, your brain is still doing okay. Like that habit loop is being replaced. So if yeah. in any habit loop, you can change the routine, But it's really cool because then you can sit with different things in your life and say, okay, what is this bad habit that I have? Or what's this habit I want to change? What is my cue? What's the routine? And what's the reward? And what can I replace that routine with and start to try? And that's where that trial and error comes in because maybe the first thing you try isn't it. And that's totally fine. But you keep going back to and saying, oh, I'm going to try this instead. Or I'm going to try this. And you find something that clicks for your life, your brain, your perspective. And that's how you start changing that habit loop to become what you want it to be. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's go through it for mindful eating or drinking. So something that I, I struggle with is I want to reward myself with, I watched your video. I'm like, we're not dieting over here. We're not, you know, I don't, I don't restrict myself and I I want it to stay that way. But there are moments where I know like in my brain of like, oh, I'm full. Like I can stop eating now where it's more of a toxic thing, right? There's a pattern there where I feel like I need to binge eat or like whatever the case is. What are some things for people who want to be more mindful about eating and or drinking? Alcohol or drinking? Drinking alcohol. Okay. I'll split these two up because there's like different ways to look at it when it comes to eat. So I struggled with binge eating and it's interesting because sometimes binge eating can be the routine or it can be basically like acute trigger, like really negative actions after. But if we put it in the routine, so say your routine is binge eating. What I would say in that situation is first, you want to look at the cue and see what is triggering that binge eating. Is it the thought like, oh, it's the end of the day and I deserve it? Is it that you're stressed, anxious? When you find that cue, we then know what the reward, it's attached to the reward, right? So we can say, okay, I'm really anxious and that causes me to binge eat. And that binge eating food actually releases um, dopamine. So that 
dopamine spike that you're getting is what you're looking for. It's not looking for the binge eating. It just learned it can get that. Now with myself and with other people, one of my really close friends really struggled with binge eating and we tried so many things that worked for me, didn't work for her. And that's completely fine. But over and over, we realized that her cue, stress or anxiety and something that worked as a new routine that also would give her that same spike in dopamine, happiness and relief from stress and anxiety was calling a friend. So instead of going and eating and starting that routine, she would go call a friend and just go outside, pet her pet or pet her cat. And she would have that reward from that conversation because she would feel better. And that helped her stop with that routine of binge eating. So the number one thing I would say when it comes to mindfulness in those situations with binge eating or eating is stopping and looking at cues if there's any cues present. And that's when we can go back and either respond to the cues or work through the cues. And, and that might, last part might be confusing. But for example, when it comes to anxiety, anxiety can trigger a habit loop or it can be because of the habit loop. But for me, I get really, really anxious when my room or my office now is dirty, I cannot work. I cannot start my day. I can't focus on a task if it's not clean. And then that causes me to procrastinate work, not have a good work day. But it's not that I'm procrastinating. It's that my room was messy. So to take out that habit loop for me and remove that anxiety, that that new habit loop, because that anxiety triggers the habit loop of procrastinating because then I'm cleaning and my rewards that I don't have anxiety, but I procrastinated. What I would do in that situation is come up with a habit loop that let me fix that so it didn't get to that point. So for example, in my nighttime routine, I will sit and I'll clean up my bathroom, I'll clean up my office, and I'll clean up my room in my nighttime routine. So I know I'm starting the day in a clean environment and I don't have that anxiety because I've completely removed that cue that cue of looking around and seeing my room's mess. So when it comes to eating, if there's something that is triggering it, like say it's social media and seeing accounts of people that don't have the same body as us. And that was something that really, really messed with me. What I would say in that situation is if you remove those cues, you unfollow those accounts that give you negative thoughts, you're not going to see those and then have that, that habit. Have the trigger. Start. Yeah. So, so removing those triggers. Yeah. You can either move the cue or respond accordingly to that cue, right? So in the situation of stress or anxiety, that could be caused by anything, right? That could be work, friends, any, that's a, that feeling as the cue, then you're wanting to change the routine. But if it's a cue that's triggering it and we can remove it, that's going to set you up for success because it's taking away that habit loop, right? Exactly. Does that kind of it makes complete sense because yeah, when you think about habits, you think about just being able to change the routine or replacing the routine, but it's actually about also looking at that happen, being like, oh, is it being triggered by an anxiety in the rest of my life, like stress from work? And then let's tackle that first before, you know, having to go through a whole replacing. I really love that. Let's talk about procrastination because you mentioned it and that's one of my other ones. You had such a great tip and I don't know, you posted sometime on your Instagram. Something that I've been doing is Pomodoros, which is basically what you were saying, like the 25 minute timer or putting on a timer and like going to a task. But what I loved what you said is you count backwards from five and then you just literally just start. You just have to start. So if you're thinking like a procrastination thought, just count down from five and go. And like, that is what replaces the routine of procrastination. Is that, is that correct? So procrastination is so crazy, but I love that you, I love that this is when we're talking about. There's yeah. four things. So many people ask about it because it really does. It's so apparent in everyone's life, but there's yeah. four different ways that I look at procrastinating. So there's a strategy that you were just saying where whenever I realize the cue that I'm procrastinating, the routine is then counting out loud backwards from five. And the reasoning is that actually switches it over in your brain for some reason. And I learned this from Mel. I can't remember her last name for some reason, but I'll follow right. up with that. 
she explains that when you count down from five backwards, like literally like a rocket ship, like five, four, it switches your brain to the part of your brain that makes decisions, logical thinking, and that helps you get in the right headspace to then stop procrastinating. That's one way that I love. Another thing that I love is the timer, setting the timer. And there's another thing that you can do to actually make that an immediate reward habit loop. So for example, say your cue is you're, you're sitting at work and you're on your phone and you realize you're procrastinating. Your routine is then, okay, I'm going to turn on the timer. The reward can then be after that 25-minute timer goes off, I'm going to get up and go downstairs and get my favorite drink. I'm going to go get a coffee. I'm going to go on a walk outside. You pick out that immediate thing you're working towards. And I do that in so many different areas. So if there's a day that like, I just don't feel like it, like I'm like, I have, nope, I don't want to do any of this. I have downstairs my fridge. I love ginger kombucha. I have like six at all times. And I'll tell myself the second I give myself the cue that I'm going to get the reward, like, oh, if I do this task right now, I finish this project, I'll go downstairs after and get that kombucha. That helps me because my brain has a taste of that reward and I can get through whatever habit loop I'm dealing with. But then also on the note of procrastinating. So we have the five, four, three, two, one backwards. Then we have um, the timer and you can set the timer for any amount of time. Like sometimes I'll do five minutes and I just need to start and get going. And then I can work until it's done. Sometimes I'll do 25 minutes. But then another thing that I love, and I found this one helps me so much in terms of like a working setting in a work environment is I will write one thing and then my big task that I'm procrastinating. Like I'll sit and I'll say, okay, I'm procrastinating working on this, this assignment. Then I'll write three things, tiny, tiny little things that I can do for only that project specifically that will help me start it or get into it. And what I realized was I would always... I never wanted to ask my manager or ask someone for help if I didn't understand something because I didn't want to look stupid. And that would always be in my three things, like ask your manager this. And that would help me actually process it and be like, okay, I'm procrastinating because I don't know what to do. And that's one of the biggest reasons why people procrastinate. They're unsure. They don't know how to start. They like don't know what's next. So that always helps me too. And what's cool is the reward you get to check off those three things as you do them. And that checkoff system in your brain, seeing it and actually writing it actually helps you be like, oh, wow, I did something really good, that checking method. Now, the other thing when it comes to procrastinating, so those are three things I love to teach, but in my own life, I also teach this, but in my own life, you can recognize what you do as a habit loop when it comes to procrastinating. So for example, say Q, like I'm bored at work and I'm, I'm just feeling like I can't do this right now. And my routine is that I'm picking up my phone and scrolling social media. And then my reward, and it's going to sound weird because anxiety is a reward. My reward is anxiety. And the reason that it's a reward is because when you get anxious, your brain tricks you into thinking that overthinking about it is going to make you do it or, or help you in some way. So that was my habit loop for procrastinating, right? Like I'd go on my phone for an hour, be like, holy shit, I just lost an hour procrastinating. Now I'm extremely anxious and I'm just going to try to rush and get everything done. What I realized was my routine was picking up my phone, right? Like I'm bored. I just need a break. I didn't need to pick up my phone because then I was going to be locked in for an hour. So I have a balcony off my bedroom and I would go, I started doing this instead. I would go leave my phone, leave my computer. And I would go either on my balcony. I could bring a book. I could just sit. I could go get a snack and sit on my balcony, but I would sit out there and I would get bored. So I'd probably be out there for like sometimes two minutes, sometimes 10 minutes, but that was enough for me to come back in and be like, okay, that was a really great break and I can get back into it. Or I cleared my mind. So that also changing that habit loop of what I actually do when I procrastinate was such a game changer. There's other things too. So that routine might not work for everyone because maybe people don't have a balcony or I live in Michigan and it's getting so cold. You could do other things like stretch, go downstairs and get a water, go and like, at, sometimes I'll empty the trash bins in my house for some reason. Like, I'm like, I just need a small win, like a small, a small win. I may, yeah, I make tea, I stretch, I go to the bathroom. Like 
as much as you can to not be on your phone during that five minutes or whatever the the timing is is key. And honestly, I've been I've been like weirdly like in my brain because like during that five minutes, I'm like, okay, why don't I read? Why don't I just like read a business book or some, something? And for some reason in my brain, it's like, oh, but that's not work. And I'm like, oh, and going on your phone is like, I don't know what it is. And it's just like sitting down on the couch and reading for five minutes feel like, but that again, like that just needs to be something I'm like, okay, that is going to be my replacing of the habit of going on my phone. And that's it. There's a lot of shame. I think that also happens in these, in these moments where you're just like negotiating and shame and this and that. And when you said anxiety is a reward, that has never hit me harder than like, that is so true. We don't think it, but we love anxiety. It's the reason also that like depression is addictive, right? Because it gets us off the hook, right? There are moments, and I recognize this about myself this year specifically, was like when I was depressed, I was actually really excited because then I could sleep all day or then I could just like not do anything all day. And that was a reward, right? Of depression. And that cue and that habit just like kept being reinforced. So then it's, it's just shifting the like, oh no, like that means probably that I need to rest a little more. And like, I'm not going to shame myself for moments that I need to rest and I'm not going to need depression in order to rest. You know what I mean? That's such an interesting, I love that perspective. I've never thought about it like that. But that is so interesting. There is so much shame. Wait, have you ever read the book Darren Greatly? No, but I, I just saw your book list and I I like ordered it. You read that one. I, I okay. didn't even realize how much shame played a role in life until I read that book. It's everything like, for me. It's everything. Self-sabotage, shame. And we internalize shame. Like someone could have given us a look that they were just looking around the room and and we internalize that as shame and then that situation gives us shame and then it stops us from doing all these things and it's so crazy but it is interesting when you think about anxiety and like depression in terms of habit loops and we get so used to it and also it's crazy because that's our comfort and our normal and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier like picking out who we want to be the qualities we want to be and wanting to be that person is going to get you through those moments where you're like oh why am I or what's the point if I don't feel it things like that that is really interesting to think about I need once we I always draw habit it's funny I'll always draw habit loops like anytime I think of something it's like now I gotta go crazy I love it I love it okay this was just the most nurturing conversation this is like exactly what I needed today as I go into like two pitches later today I'm like I'm gonna have my little moment to myself I'm excited but I want to ask you the final question that we always ask everyone that comes on okay sis if you were to brag about one thing in your life and you can't be humble, what would you brag about? OMG, okay. I would brag, okay. So my one of six kids, but it's five girls and one boy. Mm-hmm. And my family has always been, and my family's like very traditional and the like, we were one of six kids. Like we want kids. Like you're a woman, you have kids and you find the successful man. I am so fucking successful because of myself because of the habits I built because of because of me I did everything I own right now I own two businesses right? I own a business called status Savage where I teach a six-week class I own a business I'm co-owner of a business called memory which is a daily greens company which is I'm obsessed with it's the only daily greens in the market that is a full serving of greens think about that all the greens you see everywhere else not a full serving not a full wow. serving of greens insane and I own two businesses. I have the successful platform online where I'm teaching people about their mental and physical health, making an impact in the world that I can directly see. 
And I, if I wanted to never get married, I mean, I want to get married and have babies. I could support myself. I could support as many kids as I want. Like I did this. I didn't need a man. I have my own house, my own car, like everything, like all on my own. And I'm really proud of that because now I get to show my sisters that like, you do not need to marry someone to be happy, to be successful, to be something. You don't need anyone but yourself. So that's my unhumble little brag. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love, love, love it. Oh, Shelby, you are such a light. I'm just obsessed with everything you're doing. And I'm so honored to have been able to speak with you and just kind of had this, this girl chat. These are the type of conversations that just like fuel me and like get, get me so inspired. And I hope everyone listening is also like, we're all going to be like drawing our little habit loops. Like, okay, what do we change? What do we change? And it's just, it's empowering and it's amazing. So let everyone know where they can follow you and find you. On TikTok and Instagram, my username is Shelby Sacco 5. So it's just S-H-E-L-B-Y-S-A-C-C-O 5. And then I have, if you're interested in my six-week class, I have that in my link tree in my bio. And if you want to try my daily greens, I'm really proud of this company. I've been working on it for months. I'm so proud. That's in my bio too. And my discount code Shelby. I'm a little business girly. You're a little business girl. You're a big business girly. Let's be honest. Thank you, sisters, so much for listening. And you can find us at OKSIS Podcast.